When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is a bit of an unusual episode. I usually try to get the second episode of the week out before the men's team play, But since we already previewed the Crotone match on our bonus episode, there was less of a rush. What that means is I won't be reviewing the Napoli-Crotone match on this episode, we'll do that on the next one, which we'll probably publish on Monday. I have only two parts for you today. In part one, we'll cover some of the latest news and transfer rumors, I'll quickly cover the final matches of the international break, and I'll recap our Primavera match on Wednesday against Regina. And in part two, we'll review our latest Feminile match, against Empoli on March 28th. So let's start with the news. Since it's Easter weekend, I'll start with a nice story about our captain Lorenzo Insigne. He sent 250 of the large Kinder chocolate eggs to the Santo Bono Posilipon Pediatric Hospital in Napoli. He also recorded a quick video where he sent his greetings to the children and their families, saying, Hello children, I have sent you a little thought for Easter, and when it is possible I will come to visit you in person. I wish you and all your families a very happy Easter. I send you a big hug, and always Forza Napoli from your captain. Speaking of Insigne, his agent Vincenzo Pizzacane spoke to Quotidiano Roma di Napoli, where he confirmed that he has not had any conversations with the club about renewing Insigne's contract. Insigne has one more season left, but right now he is focused solely on the current campaign, and Pizzacane said he is sure that Laurentiis will call him when the season is over. Insigne was just named the Serie A Player of the Month for March, so that should definitely help in the negotiations. On the topic of agents, the FIGC published a report on the remuneration paid by clubs to agents in 2020. Serie A teams paid a total of 138 million euros to agents in 2020. Napoli ranked 4th in the league at 12 million euros. I imagine the bulk of that was paid as part of the deal for Victor Osimhen. If you are wondering about the teams above us, Juve were top of the list at 20.8 million, though that's nearly 50% of what they paid in 2019. Roma were second on the list at 19.2 million, followed by Milan at 14.3, we were at 12 million, and then Inter, who were down dramatically, 
at around 9 million euros. Moving on to transfer rumors, Calcio Mercato are reporting that Napoli are interested in Spezia centre-back Martin Ehrlich. I'm not sure how much truth there is to that or whether the media are simply speculating because we also happen to be linked to Spezia's coach Vincenzo Italiano. Calcio Mercato are also reporting that Napoli will not look to sign Tiamoy Bakayoko at the end of the season. We do not have an obligation to buy. We don't even have an option to buy. So with the season that he's had, I don't think this is much of a shock. He's also a guy that Gattuso wanted. And if the reports are true that we're not going to bring Gattuso back for another season, then it really doesn't make sense to bring Bakayoko back either. Like the Ehrlich rumor, Gazzetta dello Sport are reporting that Federico Di Marco could also follow Ivan Juric to Napoli if the coach ends up being the replacement for Gattuso. And finally, Radio Kiss Kiss are suggesting that Torino's Nicolas Nkulu could be an option at center back as well. So that's it for the news. Before I get to our Primavera match, I do want to provide a quick update on our players that were on international duty. The final matches of international action were played on Tuesday and Wednesday, so let's go in chronological order. Belgium played Belarus on Tuesday, but Dries Mertens did not feature. Thankfully, Belgium demolished Belarus, so there was never a need to bring him off the bench. That match finished 8-0. Kalidou Koulibaly played the full 90 minutes in Senegal's African Cup of Nations Group I qualifier. Senegal needed a late goal to salvage a 1-1 draw, which really didn't matter. This was the final match of the group stage, and Senegal had already guaranteed that they would finish top of their table. It's also worth noting that Koulibaly wore the captain's armband for that one. Victor Osimhen was also in African Cup of Nations action on Tuesday. He earned Man of the Match honors in Nigeria's 3-0 victory over Lesotho. Osimhen played 76 minutes, scoring the opening goal of the match, which was a beauty, and he assisted the second goal as well. Like Senegal, Nigeria finished top of their group. Over the six qualification matches, Osimhen scored five goals and assisted five more, which is really impressive. Finally, Chucky Lozano was back in action for Mexico's international friendly against Costa Rica. Once again, he played the full 90 minutes and he scored a late winner. His header in the 89th minute was the only goal of the match. Now, I'm not happy that he played the full 90 minutes in back-to-back games having just returned from injury, but at least we know now that he is ready to go. And like we talked about in our bonus pod, these were useful matches to get him back to match fitness for Serie A. The Azzurri were back in action on Wednesday to play against Bulgaria. None of our players featured, so they were all rested for the match against Crotone on Saturday. Fabian Ruiz played 22 minutes in Spain's match against Kosovo. He came off the bench to replace Pedri. Elsie Hisai played the full 90 minutes again in Albania's 2-0 win over San Marino. But the man of the day on Wednesday was Elif Elmas. He scored the game winner in North Macedonia's massive 2-1 upset over Germany. That was his second goal for Macedonia in as many matches. Elmas's father Divat and his agent Nikola Gyosevsky made some interesting comments in an interview with Calcio Mercato on Thursday. He said, The current one is the best generation of Macedonian players ever. Elif is our diamond. There has never been a player like him. At his age, he is one of the best players in the world. We know that with his qualities, he will soon be with one of the best European clubs. That's probably not a message they should be sending to his current club. It almost sounds like the plan is already to leave Napoli. Another of Elmas's agents, George Gardi, handled his interview with Radio Punto Nuovo much better. He said Elmas is a jewel that is worth 30 to 40 million euros. He's still adapting to the 4-2-3-1, which requires him to learn to play in different positions than he's accustomed to playing in. When Gardi was asked if Elmas would leave Napoli, he said that he has a contract until 2025. 
He is happy at Napoli, and at the moment, everything is fine. I'll close part one with a recap of our Primavera match on Wednesday, which was a makeup game for our match day three match against Regina. We came into this match undefeated in our previous three. We beat Regina 2 0, then we beat Salernitana 2 1, and in our last match, we drew Pisa 1 1. Meanwhile, Regina were not in bad form either. They had won two of their previous four, which is not bad for a team that is second from the bottom of the table. They also came into this match well rested. Their match against Frosinone was postponed, so they had about a week and a half to prepare for this one. Regina lined up in a 4 3 3 with Lorenzo Lofaro in goal. Walter Pelliciano and Gabriele Bongani started at center back. Davide Spaticchia started at left back and Emmanuel Lefoti started at right back. Marco Scolaro started in the center of the midfield with Angelo Rechiki to his left and Angelo Rao to his right. Alessandro Provazzo started on the left wing. Gabriele Carlucci started on the right wing. And Claudio Zino started at striker. For Napoli, Manuel Cascione went back to his 4-2-3-1 with Huberi Dasiak in goal. Flavio Romano and Jonathan Spedalieri started at centre-back, which pushed Davide Costanzo to left-back, and Benedetto Barba started again at right-back. Raffaele Virgilio and Brando Sami started in the double pivot. Antonio Vergara started on the left wing, Giuseppe D'Agostino played on the right wing, Antonio Cioffi played in the 10 spot, and Vincenzo Furina played at striker. So those were the starting lineups, next let's get to the match. The match started very slowly, in fact very little happened in the opening quarter of the match. The pace did pick up a little bit after that, each side had an excellent goal scoring opportunity. Napoli's best chance came in the 27th minute after Furina dispossessed the Regina defender and attacked the goal. The Regina backline recovered with a slide tackle on Furina, but the ball fell for Chofi. Chofi elected to go with accuracy over power, but his shot was cleared off the line. Regina came close only two minutes later, but Provazza's shot from distance narrowly missed the goal. And then Regina had their best chance 10 minutes later on the counterattack. Provazza sent Rao, who should have given Regina the lead, but Idasic made a wonderful save to protect the clean sheet heading into the break. The second half started just as slowly as the first half did, and it seemed like we were heading for a scoreless draw, but the match completely opened up in the final quarter. Only 10 minutes after coming off the bench, Giuseppe Ambrosino opened the scoring. Ambrosino picked up the ball at midfield and made a great run on the right wing, dribbling past Rao before playing a low ball to another substitute Ricardo Cataldi in the area. Regina's substitute Domenico Nemia did really well to track back and made a great clean slide tackle on Cataldi in the area. Unfortunately for Regina, the clearance went straight to Ambrosino. He hit the ball first time with his left boot, slotting his shot into the bottom corner to give us the lead. We should have doubled the advantage moments later. D'Agostino won the ball in the Regina area, but somehow he skied his shot over the bar from only a few feet away. That proved to be a costly miss. Only two minutes after that, Regina winger Bedzon equalized from a free kick. This was an absolutely stunning free kick taken with his left foot. Bezon put his shot over the three-man wall and into the top corner. Idasiak had no chance of making that save. At that point, it seemed like we were heading for a draw again, but Napoli found the late winner. The play started with D'Agostino, who played a low pass to a Napoli player in the middle of the Regina half. I couldn't tell who it was that got forward. I think it may have been Costanzo because he was pretty big and he was left-footed. He played the ball out wide to Vergara on the left wing. Vergara played a looping cross to Chofi at the back post and Chofi got a strong head on the ball. He headed across the face of the goal and into the top corner to make the score 2-1, which is how this match ended. 
With the win, we've now collected 10 of a possible 12 points in our last 4 matches. The only match we dropped points was in that draw to Pisa. Granted, all 3 of those wins were against the bottom 2 teams in the table. We beat Regina twice now, and the other win was against Lernitana, but these are important points nevertheless. With the win, we moved up to 4th in the table, tied with Antella on 21 points. We have a slightly inferior goal differential. Theirs is plus 4 and ours is plus 2. So that's something we do need to keep an eye on. We should try to score as many goals as possible because that could actually make a difference come the end of the season. The Adurini were supposed to be back in action on Saturday against Frosinone, but that match has been postponed. I have yet to confirm whether we will play again midweek, but if we don't, then our next match will be on April 10th against Cosenza. So that will do for part 1. In part 2, we'll recap our latest Feminile match. No shore se è portata stupenda e a me non resta niente. E poi ci cercamo per sempre, e ci perdiamo in da niente. A sorte gira come niente e non ce l'ha mai stato niente. In part 2, we'll review our Feminile game on Sunday against Ampoli. We were in fine form coming into this match, having picked up 2 wins and a draw in our previous 3 matches. Alessandro Pistolesi has really turned things around despite not having some key players due to injury. We were still without goalkeeper Catalina Perez and forwards Evi Popitinova and Depi Chatsi Nicolaou. Curiously, Pistolesi also left Martina Fuzzini, Giulia Rizina, and Vlada Kubasova out of the squad for this match. Empoli, on the other hand, have not been in great form. They had lost five of their previous six matches in all competitions. Mind you, three of those matches were against Juventus, who are by far the best team in the league. Two of those matches were in the Coppa Italia quarterfinals, and one was in Serie A, so Empoli had also played more in the last two months than we had as well. As I mentioned two episodes ago, this was an emotional match for Pistolesi against his former club. He commented on that before the match, saying it will be great to find Empoli again. We will have fun joking before and after the match, but for 90 minutes we will be opponents. The girls bind me to wonderful memories. With them I had established special relationships, as is happening here in Napoli with my current players. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Empoli lined up in a 4-3-3 with Alessia Capelletti in goal. Anna Noll and Zoe Jachas started at centre-back. Ariana Acuti played at left-back and Lucia Di Guglielmo played at right-back. Melissa Avellucci started in the centre of the midfield with Norma Cinotti to her left and Angela Caloia to her right. Benedetta Gliona started on the left wing, Cecilia Prugna started on the right wing and Chantal Dompig started at striker. 
Napoli lined up in a 4-3-3 as well. Pistolesi started the exact same squad that beat Florentia San Gimignano in our previous match. Sabrina Tasselli continues to start in goal. Alexandra Hune and Gomi Arnatodir started at centre-back. Mariah Cameron started at left-back and Elisabetta Oliviero started at right-back. Sara Houche started in the centre of the midfield with Emma Erico to her left and Eleonora Goldini to her right. Jenny Hillman started on the left wing, Federica Caferata started on the right wing, and Izota Noki started again as a false nine. So those were the starting lineups. Next, let's get to the match, which really could not have started out any worse. Empoli opened the scoring only seven minutes into the match. Di Guglielmo charged down the right wing and played a low cross into the area. Arnato Dier should have cleared the ball, but she missed her kick and was immediately punished for the error. Prunia hit the ball first time around the penalty spot, picking the top corner. Tasselli could do nothing but watch as the ball sailed into the back of the goal. Only five minutes later, Gliona doubled Empoli's lead. This was a beautifully executed set piece after Napoli conceded a free kick at the top of our box. Gliona and Bellucci both stood over the ball. Gliona stepped forward as if to take the shot, but instead she touched it back to Bellucci. She played a low pass to Prunia inside the area. Prunia played a backheel layoff with her first touch to Gliona, who had continued her run and then Gliona smashed her shot into the roof of the goal. Napoli were fortunate not to go down by three. Empoli got another chance in the 19th minute, but Chinotti placed her shot straight into Tesselli's arms from about eight yards out. That seemed to change our fortunes a little bit. We settled down, and then we got a bit of luck at the half-hour mark. Arnato Dier played a long ball into the area. Jatras failed to control the ball at the top of the Empoli box, and it fell for Caferata. She mishit her shot, but got just enough of the ball for it to lob over Capelletti and into the back of the goal. Even though there was still an hour to play, Pistolesi aggressively switched to a 3-5-2 formation, and the change paid off. Only five minutes after scoring, Caferata earned a penalty kick for a foul by Acuti. If I'm being honest, I thought that was a pretty soft decision. It looked to me like Caferata was already on her way to ground, but we'll take it. Sara Houche stepped up and converted the penalty to make the score 2-2. Empoli had a chance to go back up just before the break, but Tasselli made an amazing double save first on Chinotti, and then on Null. So after falling behind by two only 12 minutes into the match, we went into the break tied at two and with all the momentum in our favor. That momentum carried into the second half. Only minutes into the half, Cameron came close to putting us ahead, but her shot from a tight angle narrowly missed the target. Empley responded with a chance of their own after a lovely build-up using both sides of the pitch. Prunia played a lovely through ball to pick out Di Guglielmo's run into the area. She cut the ball back to Dompig, who controlled the ball with her back to the goal, turned and fired, but her shot finished just wide of the mark. This was a back-and-forth affair with Napoli getting the next big chance. Sarahouche fired a bending shot from outside of the area that seemed destined for the top corner, but Capaletti got across and pushed the ball over the bar. We got another chance less than five minutes later. After a good press from Erico to force an error from Prunia, her pass for Acuti was too heavy and went out for a Napoli throw. We played a quick throw to Noki who carried into the area and got a decent shot off but again Capaletti was up to the task. Only moments later though Sara Houche completed the comeback putting Napoli ahead with an absolute golazzo. Her shot with the outside of her left boot from outside of the area bent into the top corner past an outstretched Capaletti. That was her second of the match and for the second week in a row we earned the Serie A Femenile goal of the week. Last week Goldini earned that honor with her goal against Florentia and then this week Houche did it with this goal. 
Credit to Empoli though, despite conceding three straight goals, they continued to fight. In the 77th minute, substitute Morena Yanazzo won a free kick around midfield. Noll played a long ball into the area. Yanazzo headed down to Prunia, who had a point-blank chance, but somehow Tesselli made the save. Empoli continued to push and unfortunately they found the equalizer in the 84th minute. Prunia played a cross into the area that took a deflection off Houche and popped up into the air. Noki tried to clear the ball with what looked like a scorpion kick, but she completely whiffed on the clearance. The ball fell for Yanotza at the top of the box and she fired into the hand of Di Marino. Now, I could have sworn the referee blew his whistle to award the penalty. Meanwhile, Chinotti continued to play and fired past Tesselli and into the bottom corner. There was a moment of confusion after the ball went in. Nobody seemed to know what was going on. Empoli did not celebrate the goal, surely because they heard the whistle as well, which was blown before the ball crossed the line. I thought for sure that goal was going to be called back in the penalty given. Much to my surprise, the official decided that the advantage was played, so the goal was given and we were all tied at 3. That turned out to be the final goal of this wild match, which finished in a 3-3 draw. Understandably, Pistolesi had mixed feelings after the match. He said the way it started at the beginning, it is obvious that this is a good point, but we were very good at overturning it thanks also to a change in game system, and that episode in the finale leaves a bad taste in my mouth. He's obviously referring there to Empoli's third goal. He said the whistle was heard clearly, therefore the regulation is clear. The referee did not have to go back on a decision already taken. Saru Hushay also spoke after scoring her brace, which made her the club's top scorer with four goals. She said, when I score, unfortunately we can't win, but I am convinced that we will save ourselves with this continuity of performance and results. We can still improve, but I think we are on the right path. She's absolutely right with the draw and San Marino losing 2-0 to Roma. We are now tied with San Marino on 9 points. However, we own the tiebreak. We tied San Marino 0-0 in our first meeting and have yet to play the return fixture. That will obviously be a huge match, but because we have the better goal differential by a significant margin at that, at this moment we are out of the relegation zone. There's plenty of work to do, but we're still unbeaten in our last four. Things are finally starting to go our way. There are only five games remaining, so we need to stay focused and get the job done. We have a bit of a break before returning to action on April 18th. We have a tough match against second place Milan who are flying high. Their skipper and Azzurri regular Valentina Giacinti just scored a poker on the weekend in the Milan Derby no less. So hopefully this break kills their momentum. Meanwhile San Marino play Hellas Verona next round. Verona are immediately above San Marino in the table so we could easily find ourselves back in the relegation zone at the end of the next round. That will do for part 2. That will also do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with your friends and give us a 5-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. Or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. I'll be back in a couple of days to review the men's team's match against Crotone, as well as all of the action from match day 29. And we'll preview our big match on Wednesday against Juventus. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre! Sayado, Sayado, Pados, 
Network.